Hey everyone, welcome to the Green Scene Podcast. I'm Jeremy Safran. TGSP is the top global cannabis podcast. Everyone has questions and we'll cover the stories that matter and showcase the guests who make a difference. This week on TGSP, according to a new study in states where cannabis is legal, a third of adults are now cannabis consumers. But consumers and patients don't want to just smoke cannabis anymore. Pot will soon be sold legally here in California, and that undoubtedly means an explosion in brands and products. As KCalline's Peter Doubt uncovered, it may be a budding business, but it's not without controversy. If more people eat edibles, we're going to see more people addicted over time. Dr. David Sack is an outspoken critic of edibles. One of his biggest concerns, their appeal to children. Edibles have caused a spike in trips to the emergency room. California is yet to decide how to regulate edible products. So right now, there is virtually zero oversight into how these products are created and packaged. Every day, people are trying different forms of cannabis. We speak with Brad Eckenweiler. He's the CEO of Lifestyle Delivery Systems. They trade on the CSE Exchange under LDS, and it's the company who brings us Canna Strips, a perfectly dosed sublingual strip, like a Listerine strip, but only no taste. Each molecule equidistant from each other, which gave us accurate dosing because nowhere on the strip is it different than anywhere else on the strip. So your dosing is absolutely accurate no matter where you cut the strip, in the middle, on the side, because each one of these molecules is exactly the same distance from each other no matter where they're dispersed. And later we hear from Dr. Bonnie Goldstein, who has thousands of cannabis patients in California. Now how would somebody who's not making endocannabinoids get cannabis back into their body? Well, Mother Nature gives us this plant and we can replace what's missing with that. Of course, it is always an individual response, how people respond to CBD and THC. Right. And so most people with a little trial and error, um, and you know, we have this saying, go, start low and go slow. You start with a little bit of cannabis and you titrate up, kind of looking for what works for your body. Very similar to what diabetics do, like with a, what we call a sliding scale of insulin. And so in the beginning, you're trying to figure it out. We have all heard stories about people eating too much cannabis. Seth Rogen said it beautifully. Talked to Snoop Dogg about edibles, and I was like, you f with edibles, man? And he said, I don't f with edibles because they ain't got no off button. I've got to say, I've done a lot of drugs in my life. Right. The most like negative drug experiences I've ever had in my life are from weed edibles. There's some, like in LA, I just go to a store and there's these gummies that I have like found are like the most consistent. But then recently I went and saw Rogue One and yeah. I ate what I thought was an appropriate amount of weed gummy <laughs> and I thought I was gonna <laughs> die. So how do you dose correctly? A company out of California called Lifestyle Delivery Systems or LDS has a solution. They created Canistrips, a pure and perfectly dosed strip that allows the THC and CBD to enter the bloodstream far quicker than anything else. LDS, Lifestyle Delivery Systems, was a bit of a brainchild that uh, evolved out of a, a group that uh, originally was part of uh, Weed Maps. They thought it was important to develop some type of delivery system that wasn't edibles and wasn't smoking. And this was primarily for uh, Bonnie Goldstein in Santa Monica, who Dr. Goldstein had a number of patients, juvenile patients, but uh, for all the 
reasonable understanding would not be suitable for smoking and maybe because of their therapies, uh, ingestibles were not a, uh, a suitable alternative. Um, because of that, they started looking at sublingual and they made some uh, rudimentary strips, which they weren't really sublingual. They were like most of the strips that are on the market, which are just basically a fruit roll-up. Um, they meter the uh, active material, whether it be CBD or THC, uh, into the system slowly, but it's primarily through dissolved saliva that is very gently being swallowed and ends up in the gastrointestinal system anyway. About, well, now is almost three years ago, I was involved in a diabetes project and met uh, Dr. John Sanderson. And uh, we started discussing delivery systems, and he uh, started noodling uh, different thoughts that he had with regards to the sublingual delivery and started crafting, if you will, over an 18-month period uh, what is now new art in how to get material from a strip into your bloodstream without um, you swallowing it or without an extended period of time um, it having to be in your in your mouth or in, in your uh, mucal membrane area. And he came up with a very revolutionary development in the patent side, which was not only particulating, nanoparticulating the material itself, which is not new, but encapsulating it with a lipicide that is positively charged, which keeps each molecule equidistant from each other, which gave us accurate dosing because nowhere on the strip is it is it different than anywhere else on the strip. So hmm. your dosing is absolutely accurate no matter where you cut the strip, in the middle, on the side, because each one of these molecules is exactly the same distance from each other no matter where they're dispersed. So that was very interesting. And he came up with a natural chemical compound, a digestive, that breaks the barrier that your saliva creates with your mucous membrane. And that, base, that barrier obviously is part of the defense mechanism that your body produces naturally. That's why you don't get drunk if you swish wine around in your mouth. But this breaks that barrier for up to two minutes and allows the material on the strip to dissolve those nanoparticles to be into your bloodstream. And a significant portion of that dosage is in your bloodstream within the two minutes. Brad says that no matter what had to be done, they wanted to make sure that this type of medicine was affordable to everyone. Obviously, the system itself was designed, um, which was great, but there's a lot of systems out there that are very unique and, and amazing in what they do, but a lot of times they're not financially viable. So it was important to be able to, to translate this delivery system into a very affordable delivery system and still keep the efficacy that we've developed. So manufacturing became our next challenge. Um, we were lucky enough to come across a pharmaceutical equipment developer who was already in the film strip and thermal plastics and all kinds of um, film development as well as transdermal patches and what have you. So anything that had to do with mass-producing perfect film, they were capable of doing. And they 
took a machine and hybrid it for us, basically, uh, re-engineered it to make our strips. That was one of my number one challenges because regardless of how good the technology was, it didn't really matter if we couldn't do it in an economical way that made sense for a product that would be affordable to everyone. Now that the industry has turned into much larger than traditional flour and oil, Brad says that they wanted to make sure that they had a discrete product, one that could be used anywhere, and one that would not stress the liver either. So if we were going to play the price game with everyone else, that would obviously um, cause a decision process, let's say, at the counter at the dispensary. But for our purposes, we can put 20 milligrams in your bloodstream for a retail price of $2. And for all intents and purposes, that's two, three, four, five times cheaper than any other method of putting 20 milligrams of, of medical-grade marijuana in your bloodstream, whether it be CBD or THC. So that was, our, that was my first goal, was to make sure that this was not just affordable, but more affordable than anything else. And then hopefully, um, because of the fact that you don't smell it, you don't exhale it and share it with the three-year-old that's standing next to you. You don't do any of those things that you do with a vape cartridge, and you don't have to stress your liver by eating an edible. My belief was is that this delivery system for this product ultimately would be the preferred system. Obviously, in places where you can't smoke, um, it certainly should be the preferred method. Right. Um, for all those reasons, I thought, this is how the market will ultimately identify with this product. It's discreet. It's effective. You can use half as much to get the same effect because your liver is not obviously cleaning your blood and making sure it doesn't get into your system if you're doing an edible. And if you're smoking it, you're exhaling at least 70% of whatever you took into your lungs. So you're also sharing it with everyone else around you. And right. Uh, for most people, they don't necessarily want to smell like they've been smoking a joint. But, <laughs> again, it depends on what social environment you're in. Anything that we put into our gastrointestinal system, anything we eat goes through our stomach into our intestine, um, is in initially absorbed and the blood is, is taken from the intestines and goes directly to the liver. And it's the liver's job, basically, to filter out things that are uh, predetermined not to be in your bloodstream. So cannabinoids and other um, things, even ibuprofen, Tylenol, ultimately are being filtered out by your liver. And you actually have to stress your liver to get those things past your liver. So you have to overwork your liver to get Tylenol or Benadryl past your liver. That obviously is an issue for most people. You've already stressed your liver with a hangover, and now you're giving yourself Tylenol. Um, not necessarily a good thing. So even cannabis, cannabinoids, which our body makes, these are plant cannabinoids. And your immune system is programmed not to take anything in that isn't yours. So your liver initially is filtering as much of this out as it can. And only if you eat more than your liver can basically filter out, then you're not going to get the effect. So 
what we do is we put it directly into the bloodstream. Dr. Bonnie Goldstein, who has a large practice in Los Angeles, said that most of her patients prefer alternative ways of getting the benefits of cannabis, and edibles can have their downsides. No question that people, uh, especially patients, people who are not at all using it recreationally, because remember, some patients also enjoy the recreational use, and there's an overlap in there. Mm -hmm. But many of the people that I see who are brand new to this, who have not used it before, you know, they'll kind of look at me if I ask them if they smoked anything and they just say, absolutely not, and I don't want to smoke it, um, many people are, are against that. So there are um, edibles that people can use. Obviously, that's either eating or drinking it. Anything that ends up into your stomach is really going to be like an edible. There's sublingual tinctures, and then there's also topical that some people use to just rub onto joints or onto rashes to help with anti-inflammatory and pain-relieving effects. Mm-hmm. Um, edibles are interesting in that, um, you eat it, um, and again, this is mostly related to the THC content, but as you slowly absorb, remember, it takes a long time to absorb, so somewhere between one to two hours for most people, and then everything that's absorbed through the gut is going to pass through your liver. Your liver takes THC and changes its chemical structure to what I call a cousin compound, 11-hydroxy-THC, and then that gets released into your bloodstream. This cousin compound has a longer half-life, So it allows these edibles to last anywhere from 6 to 12 hours, depending on how much you've taken. It also can dial up some of the intoxication, and so people have to be very careful with that. Mm -hmm. And also, this compound tends to be very sedating. So when people use edibles, in my experience, they're usually using very small amounts, very tiny doses, until they find, again, the dose that works. You have to be careful. The most common way to overdose, quote, overdose on cannabis is through an edible. And what I'll tell people is that you cannot harm yourself, but it's very trippy psychologically, and it can be very uncomfortable. And for some people, um, it's really very unpleasant. Um, Some people just can't seem to figure out edibles. I'll tell you, in my practice, I have a pretty large practice here in Los Angeles. I would say probably somewhere between uh, 25 to 40% of patients incorporate edibles into their regimen. Many people find that the delay uh, in the onset is something that they're not really interested in. Who wants to wait two hours for your medicine to kick in, especially if you're in pain, right? So we have options. There are edibles which seem difficult to dose and can sometimes have adverse effects. And then there is this sublingual delivery we keep hearing about. Which would be better? I asked Bonnie. If you compare edibles to sublingual, I do like sublingual method of delivery it appears that there's less variable uptake. So when you eat an edible, let's say it's Monday night and you take an edible and you had a large fatty meal, you actually may absorb more of that edible because of what else you've eaten that day. And Tuesday night you may eat the edible and so say you ate it on an empty stomach. It can vary from one night to another. So a lot of people find that inconsistency very unnerving. They don't know... How, how come one night it worked great and the next night I took the same dose and it didn't work? Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of variability in absorption through the gut and through the metabolism. So there is some unpredictability there that a lot of people don't like. But that being said, there are people who find that the edibles work great. But again, it's not a huge portion of patients. Right. Sublingual is another way to take it. And it, basically it means under the tongue. So whether it be a strip like strips or whether it be drops, 
or uh, you know, squirt with a little syringe under your tongue. Mm-hmm. You're basically holding it uh, uh, in the sublingual area, which has a lot of blood vessels, which can absorb. And as long as the products are either have some fat or maybe some alcohol or some other type of um, uh, carrier that helps absorb, it's going to get into the system a little bit quicker. I have patients who tell me sublingually that they will feel it in 20 to 30 minutes, so it's a much quicker onset than through the gut. But what's mm-hmm. interesting is that studies show that it is less variable. So it may not be a huge absorption factor. And by the way, the longer you hold these things under your tongue, it appears the more you absorb. But also, it's less variable in terms or less erratic than, than through the gut. So that sure. if you, let's say, absorb, let's say it takes an hour for the oil to kick in from under your tongue, um, today it may take an hour tomorrow. It's just a little bit more reliable um, rather than depending on the so many variables that happen in the gut. So many people do like sublingual. What's nice also about sublingual is you can take very tiny doses. Like you could start, you know, some of my pediatric patients, we start on one drop of oil. It gives us tremendous control over the dosing. So we can really find that sweet spot. So why is the consistency so different in edible form? Brad Eckenweiler says that these compounds tend to coagulate or group together, which was the reason they went in a pharmaceutical-grade approach. Because of the structure of the delivery system, it allows us to know specifically by weight and size of the strip exactly what the dose is. Because every molecule is equidistant, so it is a simple mathematical equation, basically, to take the area of the strip, and this will be the dose. So in most pharmaceutical products, uh, especially over-the-counter things, 10% uh, accuracy is is acceptable. In purity, it's 95%. Hmm. Um, We're so far beyond that. Um, Our purity, uh, we have the tests that have come back from all of our products are zero. They're not just within the tolerable range, they're at zero for contaminants. So again, um, that's what we're striving for. That's what we've been able to achieve so far. And on the dosing, um, we're definitely within a couple percent um, on any strip as to um, our dosing. So um, edibles, of course, are difficult. Um, The product itself tends to want to coagulate or group together. So even though you mix it and separate it, it tends to move back together again, like mimiscus of water. It tends to gravitate towards like molecules. That problem is uh, more dramatic in things like chocolate or cookies or some medium where it actually has a fluidity state um, prior to it being baked or or sold um, that allows it to move again. So you may have um, a chocolate bar that's divided up into eight spaces, but you may have that entire dose um, at one end or the other or arbitrarily, you know, spread throughout in different uh, dosages. So it's very difficult using that type of delivery system to be accurate unless you're using an eyedropper and dropping it on each individual confection or something. As we've discussed on TGSP before, California has a problem with contaminated cannabis. 
You see, California has not had a regulated market, even though medical cannabis has been legal for more than two decades there. More and more patients and users are doing their due diligence to find pure product not tainted by pesticides and fungicides. LDS has shaped their entire operations around the purest product. With their agricultural nursery at their existing location, plus their additional acreage through their license holder, CSPA, and Collective, they anticipate growing in the near future, and this makes them one of the few fully vertically integrated medical cannabis operations in the state. Uh, I, I think the fact that we started with all of the pharmaceutical goals in mind, because our hope at some point is, is that this will become something that the uh, the medical uh, federal facility will accept. And so once the FDA accepts it, we built our lab to FDA standards, even though we can't get FDA qualification hmm. because of marijuana. But everything that we've done is in anticipation that at some point the wave of, of the popular uh, acceptance of marijuana will overshadow you know, what has been the norm and uh, kind of where the federal government is still appears to be stuck. So it's important to us to, if nothing else, to know that the patient knows that if they buy our product, it's going to be exactly the same every time. We're getting the exact genetics that we want, so we only have to extract from one plant. And again, we're not using GMO, we're using old-fashioned pollen, birds and bees stuff, um, because the splicing and grafting and uh, cloning of these different plants has done nothing but move um, contaminated plant material from a clean, from a contaminated plant to a clean plant. So right now, the clone plants are weaker, they're less resistant to, in, to infestation and mold, uh, other types of, of maladies that the plants just can't, they can't fight off themselves as they get, have been cloned so many times. Um, and then obviously they're, the, har the um, farmers are using pesticides or what have you to save the crop. Well, right. this has become an epidemic in California. Um, some people are saying, you know, 90%. We, literally tested almost 90 farms and we only came up with six that were clean. Yeah. So, um, you know, the genetics is important to us. The fact that we're now on path to build 200,000 square feet of greenhouses that we will uh, lease out to contract growers to grow our specific genetics, all is part and parcel of what obviously strips is um, focused on, which is pure genetics, clean product, accurate dosing, every dose the same, every experience the same, pharmaceutical grade. Lifestyle Delivery System operates out of a town called Adelanto, California. Some people call it the Silicon Valley of the cannabis industry. They work with Adelanto Collective and their license holder, CSPA. But Brad says he didn't find the town of Adelanto right off the get-go. Well, you know, yeah, we didn't come out of the gate knowing about Adelanto, um, which is interesting. We went uh, to a number of other municipalities. The problem that we, I would say, where we felt limited is that the other municipalities 
we're looking at single-purpose licenses and not a vertically integrated um, solution. Some places only wanted to have dispensaries. Uh, there were municipalities that only wanted to have agricultural growth. Um, to be spread out through a number of municipalities and a number of different uh, regulatory agencies in different cities and counties did not fit the model that we were looking to um, basically uh, develop. When we came to Adelanto, um, we met with Mayor Richard Kerr, and we met with staff, and we met with the rest of the councilmen and the planning department. And we, um, I immediately just said, look, these guys are headed in the right direction. They're back and forth to Sacramento. They visited Washington and Colorado and everywhere else to see how things are being done. And they understood very quickly that this needed to be a fully integrated licensing program if you were going to be successful at the highest level. You couldn't just grow and then not manufacture, and you couldn't manufacture and not grow, and then why would you do all that and not have dispensaries? Um, it's, it seems logical and has seemed logical to us, but Adelanto was the only city that took that type of methodology and incorporated into their ordinances. In fact, we're just on the final one now with the nursery. I asked Brad about the four products of Canistrips available. Each one has a different purpose, from pain to sleep. Well, right now we have uh, a sleep version, which has a very small amount, five milligrams of CBD, um, less than one-tenth of one percent of THC, only because mm. THC is an active that basically allows CBD to be absorbed. So if, if you don't have some THC, regardless of how minute, you may not get the full effects of the CBD. So we put that with melatonin and serotonin, and we've gotten very good results anecdotally from patients and primarily elderly who have sleep issues, not being able to sleep more than two or three hours at a time, um, and again, it's very inexpensive compared to its pharmaceutical counterpart. Um, secondly, we have a CBD version, which is 10 milligrams of CBD with a fractional amount of THC for the um, absorption that I discussed earlier. And that is primarily for those patients looking just for the CBD benefits that they're hoping to get um, based on their doctor's recommendation, whether it be epilepsy, inflammation, or whatever their particular uh, ailment is. Uh, we also have a clear version, which is just THC. Um, there's literally no flavor to it. It is 20 milligrams of THC, and it's primarily for advanced pain. Mm -hmm. um, we then have what we think is our premier strip, which is called Black Mamba, which is everything in the plant. It is the ultimate entourage effect. Many of the anecdotal reports say that the flavonoids and the cannabinoids and the terpenes working together have a stronger resolve for whatever the result is that you're looking for. They also trade on the OTCQB, 
under the ticker LDSYF. And Brad says that they have a lot of things in the pipeline for the company, including technology that allows them to have a zero carbon footprint. Well, we've, we've got a lot of things in the pipeline. The uh, 200,000 square feet of greenhouse is spectacular for us. Wow. Uh, moves us into just a whole nother realm. Uh, moves us into a huge manufacturing uh, potential. It's going to be pretty fascinating to see what happens in California. We will have more on our website about LDS. And you can go to their website too, www.lifestyledeliverysystems.com. There you'll find out more about what they're working on and also canistrips. It's a fascinating story about new technology out there. And the importance of delivering a clean product to your body is becoming more and more crucial, especially in California. Thanks for joining us on TGSP this week. We hope you like the show. Don't forget to go to our website, www.thegreenscenepodcast.com, subscribe to us, and rate our podcast. We'll catch you next week.